Welcome back to I Cry at Work. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Cashon, a burned out millennial. And when I say burned out each week, like I am not joking. I am so over this shit. Any ounce of energy that is required for work, I, I cannot do it. And as much as I truly am burned out when it comes to work, and really anything that takes any ounce of energy at this point, something I've still got some fire in me, still got some kick for is fighting back against this stupid negative rhetoric around millennials. I am so done with this shit. You all know the posts about how we're entitled and how the only reason we can't buy a house is because we buy too much avocado toast and how literally any of our problems are a direct reflection of our own individual actions. Listen, I am the first person to take accountability for the consequences of my own actions. I have no problem doing that. I'm very much a growth mindset person. I want that feedback to improve. Anytime I'm hungover, I wake up and say out loud, well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. That's a true story. I actually do that. But I'm also a pretty good systems thinker. What is systems thinking, you might ask? It's essentially looking at the whole instead of the parts. Systems thinking looks at the relationships and connectivity between parts. For example, rather than looking at the symptom of a problem, a systems thinker is looking at what's causing the problem. It's actually an established field of study usually called systems engineering, and it's typically used for things like ecology, making sure that if you introduce a bullfrog in Australia, you won't kill all the kangaroos and the island, I don't know, or whatever. But it's also used in a lot of business processes. A timely example would be the hottest topic in town, the goat. And by goat, I mean scapegoat of the coronavirus pandemic. Supply chain. I saw a meme the other day that said, if my grandma asks if I have a boyfriend yet, I'm just going to tell her it's a supply chain issue. (laughs) Wish that one was around back when my grandpa used to grill me with that each Thanksgiving, because I'm focusing on my career didn't seem to be an acceptable answer. When a company is trying to fix their supply chain problems, they might say, How can we ensure we have enough inventory available to remain in stock? A non-systems thinker might say, make sure we order enough. Then you could increase your safety stock, increase your demand plan, etc. That's a very common approach. Whereas a systems thinker would be considering everything that may affect your supply chain, even things you don't control. Like if another company your supplier produces for increases their quantities, that would affect how your factory could produce yours if they have enough capacity for it. If your factory has a COVID outbreak and therefore they decrease production because they don't have a full workforce. Possible delays at ports. That was a big one last year. You don't control that. It happens. Possible delays in trying to find a container. Possible delays in trucking with shortages. Literally anything that may affect when and how much inventory you have at your own warehouse at any given point. A non-systems thinker 
it doesn't matter if you order enough if you're stuck at the port for two weeks outside of Long Beach. That's why systems thinking is becoming a lot more common, but really it's just diving into a level of complexity. That's the difference. It takes something that may seem simple with a simple answer and makes it complex. Kind of like taxes. Systems thinking uncovers the complexity behind the issue and everything that may affect that answer. That's why I hate all of this negative millennial rhetoric from all these older generations. To them, every issue we have has a very simple answer. We can't buy a home. Stop buying avocado toast. We can't pay off student loans. Work a summer job during college. We can't afford housing. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. We're getting all of this advice on what to do from all of these older generations when the reality is these older generations didn't experience what we're experiencing. How can you give advice on something you've never dealt with? It's not like you're a bunch of McKinsey consultants or something. What do I mean by never dealt with this? I mean never dealt with this system. How do I know that? Because for the first time in American history, millennials will be the first generation to be worse off than their parents financially. And it's not because we work less. Surprise, we're also working more than the previous generations. And, cherry on top, we're the most educated generation. So if we work more than, and are more educated than, our parents, why aren't we making more than them? Why is this the first time this is happening in our country's history? I have a feeling it's not because we aren't pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. I think we've all been doing that for a long time and have found ourselves in the same position we've always been. A constant state of insecurity. And working isn't providing much relief. That's the real reason for the Great Resignation. Work isn't helping us feel safe and secure about our future anymore. It just isn't. That's why offering a meditation app isn't going to fix this fucking problem. In order to fix this problem, employers have to start showing up as a healthy partner in this relationship. As a David, not a Chad. We've had enough of Chad. A partner that helps them survive and feel secure about their future. And cherry on top is if it helps us feel secure about achieving some goals in our life, in the future, like having children. Millennials aren't having children because we can't afford it. Last week, I talked about one way employers can do this by separating cost of living increases and merit increases. If employers were to do this and actually determine the cost of living in their area each year, including housing, not just with a flat percentage, but actual costs, and guarantee they would adjust employees' salaries to maintain their disposable income each year. If employers did that and guaranteed housing would not be more than some percentage of, of their disposable income each year, let's say 35, I guarantee you would get flooded with applications. I guarantee it. It's certainty that we want. 
that's what we want. I saw an article the New York Times published last week on this topic called Why Millennials Are Facing More Economy Anxiety Than Ever. <laughs> Can't catch a break. That I would highly recommend anyone read. But the page opens to a quote that says, we aren't asking for the moon. And I feel like that is the motto of millennials in this issue right now. That's exactly how I would describe what's going on right now. We aren't asking for a four-day work week, although we certainly wouldn't hate it. We're not asking for beanbag chairs. We're not asking for all these things that seem just like things. We're asking for certainty. So aside from last week's recommendation around cost of living assurance, I have another recommendation for this week's episode. Employers helping with student loans. Because just like our profits and trust in U.S. institutions, guess what also hit a new record? Ah, yes, the debt from the loans of students. With an open tab of $1.7 trillion. Trillion with a T. Just barely falling short of the Fortune 500 profits last year which were $1.8 trillion. Always got to one-up us. Once again, profits, as in what they made after paying all of their bills, all of our salaries, benefits, etc. $1.8 trillion with a T. The top 500. Isn't it funny how close those numbers are? I mean, I know 1.7 and 1.8 when the discussion involves a T, actually is monumental to us common folk. But it does seem pretty ironic, especially because of all the conversations about government student loan forgiveness. Like, look, I think we've all realized the government's greatest strength isn't balancing a checkbook. But I get it. It really is a major issue that needs to be solved. It just makes me laugh that we don't really stop to think about putting some of that burden on our employers who made enough last year to cover the entire bill. And that's just the top 500. But the real irony is when you think about who benefits most from having so many college-educated people in this country. Hint, hint, it isn't Farmer Joe or your local landscaping small business that both pay taxes. It's big companies! And look, I'm not even saying this from an entitled perspective that thinks we deserve this and that it should be required or whatever. I'm saying this from the perspective of solving the great resignation by having employers help provide more safety and security over their employees' future. Because holy shit, the student loans throw a wrench into that fucking equation. And if employers step up and help guarantee a true cost-of-living adjustment each year, that certainty can help someone plan paying off their student loans. But that massive amount is still there. And when I say massive, I mean massive. Just like last week, I wanted to provide an example of the real environment right now. So I looked up an example for someone where I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, to attend the University of North Carolina in Charlotte, UNCC, as an in-state resident starting in 2022, the annual estimate is just shy of 24 grand. 
That's just shy of 95 grand for your undergrad degree. For an in-state student at an average school, and I don't mean that against anyone I know that went to UNCC. It's just true. It's not Duke. And that's if costs don't go up during your time there, which will literally never happen. They go up every fucking year. So what, probably a hundred grand? A hundred grand. With an interest rate of at least 5% and could be as much as 13. That's the issue most people have with student loans, the interest. Here are real stories of people I know personally. Well beyond this era of $100,000. We went to school for cheaper and this is still their issues. One person I know, undergrad degree, in-state, public university, literally didn't go to one of our friend's weddings a few states away because of how much she's struggling to pay student loans. At almost 30 years old, with a full-time job, salaried, with multiple other part-time jobs. My friend and his wife are both lawyers, what would be deemed a great job, over 30. His wife doesn't even have student loans somehow. And they didn't go visit his family for Thanksgiving because they would have had to fly and couldn't justify paying for a flight with how much they're struggling to pay off student loans. And these are just people I know with good full-time jobs, unable to experience things that actually matter in life, like supporting friends and spending time with family, things that actually fucking matter because of goddamn student loans. Because we did what everyone told us to do, we had to do to secure our future. Go to college. And we did. Only to live in a constant state of insecurity over our future. Ironic, yes? That only seems to be getting worse and worse every year. And we wonder why no one wants to work. Work is not helping fix this problem. But... Employers can, by helping with student loans. This idea really isn't monumental either, because a number of employers already do this and plenty of government jobs. But if this started to get rolled out at a greater scale, I think this would be a game changer. If this were rolled out like, you know, retirement matches and health insurance, I think we'd see a big shift. And this is different from education assistance to pursue new degrees, which don't get me wrong, that's great. But I mean helping pay for the degree they already got in order to work for you in the first place. I've read about a few different ways companies go about this because I've never worked for one that actually does this. But I think after reading, the one that sounds the most common sense to me is matching an employee payment directly. So not just providing more cash or income to salary to use towards paying off the debt because that would be taxable income, but matching any payment an employee makes towards their student loan debt directly. Because in theory, that also helps with one of the biggest issues with student loan debt, paying off the principal. So many people young in their careers aren't making salaries even remotely close to being able to actually make a dent in the principal. And that's where this snowball effect happens with interest and a never-ending cycle. But once again, we're not asking for the moon. We're asking for a reasonable 
equitable relationship with our employer. So if you want to have terms about how that benefit is divvied up, we're fine with that. We're open-minded. We're millennials. Just like vesting in retirement plans, we totally understand the employer having conditions. We're not unreasonable. But I think if employers were to start implementing these programs, that would actually help with the great resignation. I promise. It would go a lot further than thanking your employees more. And if employers did this in addition to guaranteeing a cost of living increase, like an, a real one, including housing, that would be an employer everyone wants to work for. I promise. That would be, like, it's simple things. But having certainty over your future, knowing that you will not pay more of your disposable income for housing next year and the next and the next, knowing you can pay down your principal, it goes a long way, I promise, a lot further than meditation apps and mental health webinars. And for any employees out there job hunting, interviewing, considering switching, Google to find employers that offer student loan assistance as a benefit. Not education assistance for new degrees, although that is good, but student loan assistance. I found a handful of lists of companies that described their benefit program in detail, like it is this much each month, this is how it's paid, and start considering those companies. But that's all I got for this week, and I'm going to keep this topic going of explaining the real reasons of why people are resigning, that it's showing up nowhere in these studies. Not the bullshit reasons like offering better recognition programs. And offering suggestions and recommendations employers can implement and things prospective employees and candidates can do to start facilitating these changes. And I know these things might sound small, and maybe they are. I don't know. But I'm trying to put the pieces together here. What can employers do? They're so far removed from dealing with these issues that our generation, younger generations, are dealing with that is a system, not an individual problem, and what they can do to help. If you're out there applying and asking all these questions, maybe pressure will start to build. Maybe employers will start to feel more pressure to actually do these things. You never know. Wilder things have happened. But that's it for this week. So if you liked it, if it brought value, please rate, review all the things. You can follow on social at Workplace Tears, especially if you love memes. You can visit online at WorkplaceTears.com. Got some merch going. But other than that, feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear about stories you're dealing with. If you know of employers that are offering awesome programs, I'd love to highlight them so that people can consider them. Really, any feedback that you have, please send it my way. I'd love to hear. But until next time, that is it for this week. So I will see you next week for an episode of I Cry at Work. Bye.